0: Welcome to What's Not Priced In, a weekly investor podcast by Fattail Investment Research.
1: In a world of confusion and rapid change, experts Kirill Prakapenka and Greg Canavan look behind the headlines to unveil the hidden opportunities within the Australian stock market. Now, let's dive into today's episode. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of What's Not Priced In. Uh, I was missing in action last week, uh, I was over in the States for a week on a, on a business trip, uh, it was an excellent trip, uh, probably tell you more about that in, in future episodes, but for today we've got a special guest, uh, James Cooper, our resident commodity analyst is joining us. James, how are you mate?
0: Uh, good, thanks Greg, thanks for inviting me along.
1: No worries, well Kirill's out of, out of action for a, a couple of weeks and uh, always good to have fresh guests with with new perspective. Uh and being commodities analyst, commodities have, have really felt, I guess, the brunt of a lot of the selling uh, when there are liquidity issues in the market, especially the junior miners uh, really take a hit. But before we get into talking about uh, commodities in general and some of the bigger themes that are going on in the markets, uh, Fat Tail Investment Research uh, readers and subscribers, they'll be well aware of your background. But for those who are listening who might not be familiar with who you are and, uh, and where you've been previously, uh, maybe just give us a, a brief introduction to your uh, bona fides for commodity uh, investing, mate.
0: Yeah, sure. So I've been involved in um, mostly mining, um, a little bit of finance, um, but all related to mining for about 15 years. Um, and a lot of that has been in the sort of small cap juniors, like the explorers looking for new deposits. Um, but it's also been in the, in the later stage um, producers. So I've really been involved in all the different phases of um, the mining life cycle, um, as well as that, I've, I've been over had the chance to look at different projects um, across different commodities, and that includes things like copper, iron ore, um, zinc, and uh, gold. Um, so yeah, that all these experiences, I guess, have uh, have enabled me to um, sort of uh, help help and in, help investors um, target stocks um, with uh, strong fundamentals, I suppose. Um, identifying what, what makes a good company um, and I think we'll, we'll probably tap into some of those uh, questions later on.
1: Absolutely and one thing we probably didn't point out in that introduction is that you're a former geologist uh, which is where you've got all this experience across the range of uh, range of different commodities and different projects etc uh, etc cetera, et cetera. so maybe just quickly tell us what uh, maybe continents you've been on where, 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 have you, where have you seen the most action in terms of, in terms of digging holes in the ground?
0: Yeah, so mostly in Australia. Um, so South Australia, West Australia has been the bulk of my experience um, as as a geologist. Yeah, sorry for not pointing that out earlier. Um, it was also back in twenty ten. I got the chance to work in Zambia, um, and that's just sort of a Central African uh, type country, um, just bordering uh, what's it, Botswana uh, to the south, and you've got. Um, uh, Congo to the north. Now, this is a really important um, spot for copper. It's got the copper copper belt running through the northern part of the country, and that's that's where uh, I was stationed. Um, so on the edge of this traditional copper belt, so sort of looking for um, essentially an extension of this, this decades-old um, copper province. So that was with a company called Equinox Minerals and this was really one of the darlings of of the last mining boom Um, and it was taken over uh, while I was at the company um, by Barrick Gold and that was a really uh, uh, interesting time for Barrick because it was their first sort of foray into into something other than gold Um, before then they were the biggest uh, pure gold miner in the world so um, our projects uh, stood up for them and um yeah it was it's was great to great to be there from from the early stages um with equinox and then all the way through with the takeover uh with barrack um so seeing these mergers and acquisitions is is quite a common common part of life in in the in the mining industry
1: Orby. Sure, we'll be talking about uh, copper in a bit more detail later on in the in the in the podcast. And, and if you are watching, we're going to get into, uh, I guess, a range of different commodities. We'll be talking about lithium, uh, probably touch on uranium, gold, energy, all those sorts of things. Copper, uh, I know, is a big big focus of yours. But before we do that, let's sort of take a step back and look and see, or, or get, I'd like to get your view on where we are in the commodity cycle because. A lot of people ask me this question, and my view is that um, we're in a supply-constrained commodity world, but you say that, and prices have been falling relentlessly throughout Mm -hmm. much of 2023, and my rationale or justification for that is that, okay, we're in a cyclical downturn, not necessarily a secular downturn, and I consider secular downturns to be where there's just an oversupply of commodities that are pushing prices down relentlessly, even though the demand story might be okay uh but in this case we've got supply concerns longer term but we're just in a cyclical downturn and that's purely to do with the macro situation with higher interest rates which push through to higher real rates and that's something that we talk about on this podcast a lot higher real rates are putting pressure on on all sorts of uh asset prices um but yeah enough about what i think of it what's what's your sort of take uh on where we are in the bigger picture commodity cycle
0: yeah, so um, I, I tend to agree. So if we think back to the last uh, secular downturn um, in the industry, so that would be 2016, 2015. And that's when the big large cap miners like um, BHP and Rio Tinto, all across the board really, um, stocks were, were at these multi-decade lows. But also that was because commodity prices were, were also hitting major, major lows. Um, and I think gold hit its final low in late 2015. Um, copper hit its major low um, early on in 2016. Um, so it, it was just a point in the cycle that really marked the very bottom um, of, of that secular secular bear market. And since then, um, I think we're, we're seeing strong um, strong prices in across commodities. So uh, gold, copper, nickel, um, all these commodities are up 80 to to 100% from where they were back in 2016. And I think that just highlights that there's still this strong fundamental strength um, in, in the industry. Um, and, and the fact when we look at these big cap miners like BHP, and they're only trading somewhere like 15% off, off their all-time highs. And I think that's because commodity prices are still relatively high. Um, but, then, of course we've got the junior market and 2023 has is, is really been a brutal brutal um, brutal year for for the juniors um, and I think yeah interest rates uh, cost of development is really starting to st- starting to hit some of these stocks um, but if we think about the long-term demand uh, fundamentals which are still there with with the green energy transition I mean governments have have put billions uh, perhaps closer trillions now to 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 make sure that this trend um, does happen, whether whether it's for better or worse, uh, we won't know. But um, this trend is underway, and I, I don't think that momentum is is going to shift. So when we think about the the amount of supply we need to to keep this um, momentum of of green energy transition, um, there's also signs of some emerging growth um, in, in some emerging economies. So. Um, this is also bullish for for commodities over the long term, um, so I think it's 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 really important to think that the long term setup is still there, and then to maybe think about um, where are the opportunities. And I think that is is with the junior mining stocks.
1: Well, you you just pointed out there that companies like BHP, Rio, probably to a lesser extent, but very you know not too far off their their all time highs. Obviously, that's to do with a. Uh, 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 iron ore price which has probably been one of the strongest uh, commodities if we separate out the uh, the energy uh, the energy sector uh, iron ore has has been consistently strong it's pulled back a few times but it's then always bounced back up even though there's been concerns around the Chinese economy and around the Chinese property market uh, it is, is I guess in in trying to work out why there's such a A separation now between those large cap stocks and the and the juniors. Do you think it boils down to the fact that the large caps have already done the bulk of their investment? They're in cash flow uh, cash flow generation stage. They don't really. Yes, they do need to reinvest in order to to continue to grow, but they're not making these significant capital expenditures relative to their market caps. Whereas at the junior end, you know they might have drilled out a good resource there might be a lot of value in that resource, but they still have to go to the market and raise the capital. They still have to go through development risk. And when you have risk-free rates around the world that are bordering on, say, 5% now, the the US 10-year bond yields getting close to to 5%, it just puts such a hurdle over the ability of these companies to to generate or, or to raise that capital and go down that path. And I think now that the the risk is really being priced in. So even though on the surface, yes, these are risky developments, for the first time in a long time, that is priced in in the value of the equity, right? Because that's fallen to such an extent that the risk and reward now seems very, very compelling.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think if we look at the last commodity boom, the China-led field infrastructure boom, um, and that was very capital intensive for the big iron ore miners. So they're really benefiting now um, having all the infrastructure in place to now just reaping the rewards from um, the, from these multi-decade uh, supply mines um, which which don't need much much more capital um, yep. investment um, so that's just ticking off nicely for them with iron ore prices still still relatively high um, but the important thing for those producers um, and and not just focusing on iron ore but more broadly with say copper and um, a lot of the other critical metals um, these big miners have you could you could say that they've been quite lazy because they haven't been putting much capital investment over the last ten years, especially exploration where where they just see it as too too high risk yep. um, and this is this is one of the key drivers which which sort of pushes us back into a secular bull market because um, it, without that investment, without that new supplier coming on board, um, it, it, that obviously sends up prices higher, and we just need need some demand fundamentals to to sort of create that surge. And I think that's kind of where the market is heading at the moment. Um, it's still still sort of ebbing and flowing um, as it gets out of the the, the the global risks, which is still impacting. Um, impacting so de- devil's, devil's
1: advocate question, um, if if I'm a, if I'm a if I'm an investor in a in in the uh, let's say not necessarily junior mining but just you know in some of the developers, uh, and I'm hearing these stories about look no one's investing in capex there's there's limited supply, um, commodity prices are still well above their their lows from the last uh, last secular bear market. And then you look at a situation like uh, Chalice Mining, which I just pick on Chalice because it's probably high profile. Um, yeah. It it had significant gains throughout 2022 and into 2023. Uh, and just recently, it's just fallen like a stone. And yeah. from what I can see, and I'm not a, a specialist in, in this area, but from what I can see, it's a pretty fair resource. So could you maybe just give us your take on, A, what the underlying resource looks like and whether there's been any deterioration in... In that, from from announcements, uh, and, and why you think the share price has reacted so negatively?
0: Yeah, I think Chalice Mining is is really the the poster child of what's what's wrong with with the junior mining sector, um, and just not getting the investment that it needs. And um, so, with Chalice Mining, if, if if listeners aren't aware that that's probably one of the the best discoveries in Australia over over the last ten years. It it happened in the West Yilgarn region. Um, so it's a Dulamar deposit and, um, it's, it's one of the highest grade of, of platinum. It's a nickel and copper. So all the, all the perfect commodities that you need for this sort of energy transition. Um, so what really, uh, set off the, the major selling was, um, a couple of months ago, it released its scoping study. And this is like a, a very early feasibility, um, report just to see, trying to term, determine, determine the economics. Um, of moving into development and and eventually mining, um, because at the moment this this is still virtually a, an explorer. Um, it's it's just a very prominent explorer and has it did have a have a big market cap for an explorer. Um, but there there are a number of features in that scoping study which investors um, shied away from, and one of it was uh, perhaps maybe a. Commodity prices, which were a little bit too optimistic, um, and that was given as one of the reasons. Um, but I, I think it really comes down to just sentiment. So investors um, were still riding this company for the for the discovery potential, exploration. They weren't ready to 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 feel the impacts of of, of the costs involved in in developing a mine. Um, so there's a there's I guess a mismatch between um investors expectations um for for taking a stake in these companies over the long term um compared with what it costs um and and the risks involved in 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 getting a a producing mine
1: I think it's worth remembering as well um when you when and and I do a lot of valuations of companies that are generating revenue and cash flows and you can have some sort of accuracy where you come out with a valuation for a company that's got a long-term history of dividends, revenues, earnings, all that sort of stuff with the right, you know, good assumptions around the discount rate and, uh, uh, and things like that and the, the level of profitability, you can come up with, a, with an estimate of value. And often the market will disagree with you and you get these divergences between price and value, but then they're generally not significant. But I think it's worth remembering in the junior mining space where there's no revenues, there's no earnings, there's just a whole bunch of ground that has a whole bunch of potential but also needs a fair bit of capital to go into that development risk in order to to take advantage of that potential. There can be huge disparities between, uh, I guess, the market's estimate of what that value is. And like you said, when sentiment's strong and when sentiment is at a point where everyone believes in a story, you're going to get these valuations that are – that are quite uh, extreme and then which we've seen really unfold over the past couple of months the sentiment story has changed completely and the market doesn't want to put much of a valuation on that and I think that's where the opportunity is to be honest if you're taking a view um, beyond a few months and granted if you look at the charts a lot of a lot of these stocks in the next few months you probably don't really want to want to touch them you want to wait for some uh, some uh, evidence of, of bottoming but if you've got a if you've got to say a two year view, I think this is the time to really be looking at the good projects, uh, the ones that you have a, uh, a high probability that they're going to get the financing, they're going to have, they've got the good development teams. Um, so maybe I'd just be interested in your views on, on that and, and how you go about assessing uh, quality of resource and quality of management team to develop that resource.
0: Yeah. So absolutely. So um, looking at the value on offer in 2023, I think um, if you have that two to three year time frame, it, it's it's definitely a great opportunity. Um, and whether that's an explorer or a developer, um, the, the opportunity there is 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 perhaps something that we haven't seen since 2016. Um, even though that was a major low, um, the recovery coming out of that major bottom. Um, did see some strong price gains, and you see a lot of the juniors trading near near back all these uh, near back to these all time lows back in 2016. Um, but at the same time, not every explorer is going to surge, and not every developer is is going to turn into a, an active um, producer. Yep. So you do you do have to be selective, and, and that's the beauty of of um, picking stocks in a in a in a, a down market um so some of the things i use uh, and this is based um a lot of from what i've, I've done in, in in the industry so looking at different projects um what makes a what makes a company tick and um these are things like for for the small explorers looking at um the drill intercepts so is it high grade is it is it thick um is it shallow is it close to surface so these are all important factors to consider um is this just going to be a, a sort of sudden spike in the share price because it's had, had a decent drill hit, or is this going to turn into something uh, that could be a, an economically viable deposit? Um, and, and there's a lot of factors which separate those two and only a very few, um, good drill hits actually turn into, um, working mines. Um, so as well as that, you, you really need a, a good team. So, um, uh, there is a skills shortage in the industry, so you need um, you need to be investing in companies that have um, have I guess proven discoveries. So people that have made uh, discoveries in the past, and there's not a lot of geologists out there that have have um, discovered a, a, a decent deposit that that has the potential to become a a workable mine. So. Um, mm-hmm narrowing your focus on those companies uh, really increases the probabilities um, and, and the odds back in your favour. Um, and another really important one, just, just given the market we're in, um, it's especially important is cash in the bank. Um, I think with uh, liquidity could, could become a, a, a problem for, for some of these small cap um, juniors. Um, and that sort of increases the risk of more stocks being issued and, and potentially um, your, your equity being, being diluted um, in, the, in the company. So um, cash in the bank, especially in this market, is, is critically important. Um, just because a company has a, a great deposit or a good management team, um, that's, you're only going to see some, uh, the fruits from that if, if the company has cash in the bank.
1: So with, uh, with your one of your services, I know you look at this particularly junior speculative end of the market uh, without giving away any particular names uh, with respect to your current subscribers. Have you got any stocks there that you're really liking at the moment in terms of ticking those boxes?
0: Yeah, the, uh, there, there are a few um, and we're just sort of slowly picking at stocks and, and waiting, for, um, waiting for a good time to get into them. Um, now, one of them is a lithium uh, lithium explorer. It's uh, actually located in in what we call the lithium triangle. So this is an established um, lithium province. It, it straddles Argentina, Bolivia, um, and uh, Chile. Um, it's it's really a, a, a good opportunity because it's located uh, next door to a, a one of the majors. Um, so that offers a lot of synergy. Um, for, for the big players to, to perhaps um, expand and, and look at um, taking over over these uh, neighbouring explorers. Um, but as well, the company is, 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 is a solid um, pick in its own right because it's getting good results from its, from its drilling. Um, so it's got two potential tailwinds there, which, which is kind of what you, what you look for um, and, and is the luxury that you have in, in a down market. Um, another company... We're looking at, or that we have in our portfolio, is um, it's a small copper explorer. It's uh, located in Queensland. Um, It's very early stage, um, grassroots sort of exploration. It's using um, a a technique, geophysics, um, and uh, I'll I'll jump into the geology weeds a little bit. Um, It's a induced polarization. So this is just a technique for um, identifying or mapping mapping the, 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 the geology under the surface. Um, and what it does is, is identify uh, areas of rock that uh, are high in um, uh, respond well to sort of uh, uh, metals like copper um, and other minerals. Um, so it, it offers sort of a, a cheat sheet for the, for the explorers. Um, now, because it has such an effective targeting tool, which works really well in this area, um, IP, reduced polarisation, doesn't work everywhere. Um, it can just put its draw rigs over the targets um, with a with a strong probability um, that it knows there is is mineralization under the ground. Um, so again, just stacking the probabilities uh, yep. in your favour as an investor is, is really the key approach.
1: You mentioned something there before in regards to lithium stock about it being near uh, a, ma- a major player. That would have to be something that you'd be looking at Pretty closely about when the M or when the corporate activity starts, because presumably if prices are falling or share prices are falling as much as as they have been lately, these explorers must be getting uh, to a point where it makes more sense for the major to actually come in with a takeover offer uh, than than put the money into the ground themselves and and, and start from scratch. Even though we're talking about a, a company that's that's next door, it just it must make sense at some point for the majors to deploy their cash in companies that have already done the work and have already got the results on the board, but those results just haven't been reflected in in an appreciating share price. So at what point do you think that that starts? Is that, is that something do you think the majors are already looking at quite closely?
0: Yeah, as you say, the majors don't like expiration. They do do it, um, but they don't like the risk. So generally they prefer to take over a, a smaller smaller company, one of these uh, few explorers that can actually deliver on success, and that's when the major uh, comes in. Um, so it's, it's different phases um, that a major might look at, at acquisition. Um, and I think right now with depressed prices for these junior mining stocks, it's, it's certainly a, str- a strategic um, time for, for these uh, big players to enter the market. And we're seeing signs of that, but it's not—it's um, certainly not not to the levels um, that you would see maybe at the peak of a boom when 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 the majors get a little bit overly excited and start paying too much and 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 um, yeah, go all in. I, I suppose there's
1: almost two two phases, isn't there? There's the there's the phase where the smart money comes in and buys at the bottom, and then there's the phase where there's too much money and there's just crazy m going on right at the top. And that sort of, sometimes there's a M&A cycle that marks the bottom and sometimes yep. a cycle that marks the top.
0: Yep, no, absolutely. Yeah. So there's there's definitely evidence. Um, I think what you'd call it a sort of a healthy level of M&A activity um, is, is in play at the moment.
1: Uh, let's move on to a couple of commodities uh, just by themselves. What, what's your, what's your favourite few commodities for the next few years? If you only had two commodities to, to choose, uh, to invest in for the next, say, three or four years, what would your picks be?
0: Okay. Um, well, it's, that's hard because we are sort of, when we talk about secular bull market, it generally sees a sort of multi-commodity boom. And through Absolutely. that boom, you'll see these commodities ebb and flow. So one will take off, another one will decline. But, um, and, and as I think you pointed out earlier, I, I think copper really stands out as, as the number one commodity for me. Um, when we talk about the energy transition and the need to electrify and move away from fossil fuels, um, copper is the one commodity that can't be replaced through changing technologies. Um, I mean, we have, we have wind, wind turbines, we have solar panels, and now there's more um more commentary about using uh nuclear energy so whichever choice um governments uh, finally uh, sort of decide to adopt as a, a mainstream base load power source copper will be the commodity delivering uh that energy from from the power source to the end consumer um, so it's that that single use factor it's that um it, there is no replacement technology that can, that can look for an alternative to, to, to copper. So I think that's why it is a key metal in electrification. Um, and then we also think about the, the supply side. So uh, Chile, which is a major supplier of copper, um, and we've got declining output at the world's biggest copper miner, which is Cadelco. Uh, it's a state-owned company. Um, and falling output. I think this company um, uh, is at risk of liquidation. I, I read from a report with Reuters. Um, so it's it's these risks, um, it's it's the, su- the supply risk, um, but the strong demand um, outlook for copper is, is really strong. Um, now I'll try to th- pinpoint one other commodity. I think um I think rare earths is is still really strong, even though it's it's had a terrible year in twenty twenty three. Um, it 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 isn't tied to just this green energy transition. It's it's also a really important metal for defense um, and and tech generally. Um, and then we think about where does all where does all this supply come from? And it, it comes China. from China, which 90 90%, percent 90%, um, of 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 rare earths, and for for global manufacturers, that that really um, puts them in a difficult spot. If we see any sort of ratcheting up in in uh, global tensions between the U.S., the West, uh, China, and and Russia, so um, this would be an event um, I think that would would make uh, rare earths sort of uh, sort of repriced in, in a sort of a, a pretty rapid rapid way. Um, we saw China ban some critical metals, germanium, early in the year. So there's there's every chance we could could see a ratcheting up um, as China uh, sort of plays with the US in this this trade war.
1: And you've got companies like uh, Linus that's down nearly 50% from its peak, uh, probably some of the most strategically important rare earths assets uh, in the world. I know you look at a lot of the smaller players as well that are developing uh, given that Australia does have uh, considerable rare earths uh, assets uh, throughout, throughout various regions uh, in Australia. Uh, one other question I wanted to ask you on commodities, uh, one of my favourite commodities, gold. What's your, what's your view on gold? I mean, gold's tricky because at the moment it's got a bit of a geopolitical premium to it. It's, it's rising and I always think it's tricky trying to invest around those, those, these types of episodes. So what, what's, what's your view at the moment?
0: Yeah, um, I think gold really does have, like all commodities, it, it's got strong um, fundamentals. I think gold is a really good one to watch because gold often leads um, commodities more broadly. Uh, if you see a, a pickup in gold prices, then you might see other commodities start to follow a few months later. Um, so I do watch gold really carefully for for one of those reasons. Um, it's also, um, I mean, it, it's so tied to to whatever happens in, in the U.S., so um, rising, in, uh, rising interest rates. So I think we need to see some, um, uh, some evidence that, that um, the U.S. is going to back down from, from its high for longer, um, and I think that would be the, the catalyst that would really surge, be the surge that, that pushes gold past that sort of technical um, $2,000 an ounce level. Um, so and and I th- to your
1: point, gold being a, a leading indicator, I wouldn't be surprised if it makes that move before the Fed you know, formally announces yeah. anything because it is such, and I've seen it before, it is a very, uh, in many ways, a sophisticated market and it, and it moves ahead of, uh, interest rate moves, it'll move ahead of a recession and it'll certainly move ahead of the rest of the commodity complex, not all the time. Like I'm not saying it yeah. happens uniformly, yeah. uh, but I think it is a, a really good barometer of global liquidity, uh, US interest rate movements, real interest rates. And if gold does start moving up, preempting a, a, a down move in, in say, uh, bond yields, then that would be potentially a catalyst for the rest of the, the commodity space to start moving higher as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think gold, if we see that break above the 2,000 an ounce level, um, that, that will really be a positive sign for, for the commodity sector more broadly so really really key level to watch um and uh i I would be looking at gold um in terms of the explorers um just just with the deep value on offer the gold prices are still still relatively high um but these explorers will will probably uh gain quite substantially if we saw any any technical um break above that 2000 level so um, now is probably the time to to look at look at the the juniors um, in the gold space. Is that what um, you're
1: seeing as well? Because I, I looked at the Aussie dollar gold price today, and it's near all time highs. It's over three thousand dollars an ounce. So the the actual gold price that they uh, potentially could get if they move into development and production phase is is quite is quite attractive, given that the Aussie dollar is so weak against the US dollar. But is any of that Priced in, or is any of that reflected in, in the junior end, or is the junior end being bombed out like all the other uh, commodity sectors as well?
0: I don't think investors are pricing in the the long term um, outlook or taking into consideration the supply issues for for a lot of um, critical metals. Um, so I think I think that's that's where the value value is for for investors. Um, if you're look, looking at the, the larger cap producers, um, I don't think you're going to see the same level of appreciation. So I think those types of companies are more priced in. I think there's still still decent upside for those bigger, bigger cap stocks as well. Um, but if, you, if you're looking at long-term multifold uh, potential for, for increases in share prices, um, I think the, the explorers and the developers is, is really where um, really, where the focus should be.
1: Well, mate, you've just um, you've sort of just answered my final question. Now, the podcast is called "What's Not Priced In," uh, and you just answered it. So, maybe just to <laughs> so- reiterate, what is not priced in in the world of mining, the stocks that you look at? What don't you think the market is pricing in?
0: I think it comes back to those um, main commodities that I really like so copper um, if you're looking at copper explorers they've been smashed in 2023 Um, developers um, so if you if you're thinking about the long-term prospects for for copper uh, the supply issues and and the demand from this once in a century energy transition which is um, hugely ambitious um, I don't think the market is is Taking all those factors into account at all for for the junior mining sector.
1: All right. Well, I think we will leave it there. I look forward to uh, to maybe catching up again in another couple of months. Perhaps the catalyst to to kick off the the next leg of this bull market will have occurred, or maybe we'll just still be in accumulation phase and and, and picking out the the little gems that are amongst the many other stocks that are probably never going to do anything because there are a lot of stocks out there that are uh, that are probably not going to go on to anything more and might not be able to raise the money to continue. But um, I'm sure you'll be using your your uh, expertise in the in the field uh, to try to pick out those ones that uh, might be able to go into the development um, or production phase or even get taken over by, by one of the majors. So look forward to hearing more in the future, mate. And uh, thanks for joining us on What's Not Priced In today.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Greg, for inviting me along.
1: No worries. We'll see you next time, everyone. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for joining What's Not Priced In, your weekly source of unique ideas in the Australian stock market. If you've enjoyed this episode, please show your support by following us on your chosen platform and turn those post notifications on so you don't miss a thing. And uh, stay tuned for the upcoming episodes as we delve into new topics, new trends and new stocks. Thanks for your support. Hope to see you next week.